I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you lost Survivor and you're feeling down, David and Jessica will turn it around. They'll break down the rules and we'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost Oh baby, this is why Blank lost Welcome to this week's edition of Why Blank Lost I'm David Bloomberg, and along with my co-host, Jessica Lewis, we think you should just hang out with us until the loved ones visit. If if everyone does that, then it'll all be okay, right? Yeah, that'll be a great plan. We'll all get to see our loved ones, and it'll be wonderful. It will all work out perfectly. That's right, because six people can all win the game. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, of course. Six people can win, get to see the loved ones, everything. Everyone will be like jovial and happy and it'll be a big love fest. That's what it'll turn into. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So no worries, right? No worries at all. Stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. (laughs) (laughs) Do not deviate from the plan. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, other people did deviate. And here we are. Yes. 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 Here we are. So, you know, last week you convinced me to go with Ron instead of Julia. And uh, as our prediction, of course, and it turned out neither of those were right, though. We were closer. Ron was closer. Yes. Yes. We were definitely closer. We were in the ballpark. So that's good. We were we were close. Julia is the one that kind of switched everything up, really. So she would have definitely not been the better choice. But between, you know, it was. Yeah, I think we were in the ballpark. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is I picked Eric to go in Joe's spot a couple episodes ago. So I guess I should have just stuck with that. Right. Do what I did. Didn't I do that a couple of weeks? I was like, I'm just going to pick the same person because eventually they have to go. I, I think I've done that too at some point. Too, yeah. So. We're really, but, I'm not good at it. I'm not. Yeah. Well, you know, we'll, we'll discuss Eric some more in a few minutes. Um, and uh, just so uh, people know any new listeners here. Hello. Uh, Hi. As a reminder to, to everyone else. Hello again. Uh, we pull together information from everything we see on TV, along with web clips and Twitter press conferences. To help figure out uh, how Eric did compared against the rules I wrote after Survivor's first season and have been updating ever since. And you can find those rules, uh, the, the full length ones, at robhasawebsite.com slash Survivor 38 rules. Or, and this is new information here, you mm-hmm. can get a shorter but much more colorful version of the rules in another way. Yes, you can, ladies and gentlemen. It is now official. If you would like to 
own a piece of Survivor history. You can order the poster of David's Rules that he just spoke of, and it's a short version, so you don't have to do all of that reading. And like you said, it's much more colorful and nice to look at. Eric from Survivor, multiple Survivors. I can't even remember <laughs> now. You have to help me out this one. Um, but Eric Reichenbach, who's done a lot of the various... Um, basically cartoon drawings that you can see of Survivor throughout the years. He's been doing it for a very long time, agreed to put together a poster for us. And what he put together was beyond all of my expectations. It looks phenomenal. It has a lot of really incredible Survivor people on the poster, including myself. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to toot my own horn or anything, but I did make the poster, but I also you know, well, was you hoping I would. <laughs> you literally made the poster, so I would hope that right. you made the poster. So it kind of made sense that I would be on the poster. So you can actually go to it's tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster. So T-I-N-Y-U-R-L dot com slash David Rules Poster, all one word. And you can actually see it on eBay and you can order it off of eBay. And then we will gladly send it to you. You do have to pay for shipping, but it's an 11 by 17 poster. Again, the drawings are incredible. You will see Rupert, Rob Sesternino. You will see Johnny uh, Fairplay, myself. There's so many people on that poster and it's just such an incredible compilation of the rules in a visual form so please go order and enjoy and hopefully we get a lot of people buying it because i would be excited to see that happen <laughs> i think kelly wentworth is uh on there too isn't she uh yes she yes she was part of one of the one of the group um images that's on there too yes the witch's coven yes yes so yeah this this was you know an amazing 50th birthday present that uh, you had made for me again by the, the awesome Eric Reichenbach. So I think it's great that we can now share it with everyone else. Yes. And although David got a much bigger version, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I think it's, I, I wanted obviously to do something great for you for your birthday, but then also I think this is a nice way for other people to appreciate all of the work that you've done for this podcast and just really creating these rules. I mean, these really are yours and you're the one that put this together and it should be celebrated. And I thought this would be a great way for other people to enjoy what you talk about every week in a prettier version too. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just a bunch of, yeah, I mean, your rules are very extensive. If ever, if anyone has actually, actually read the whole thing, it is a lot there, but it's incredible. This is like the shortened version. That's yes, incredible. Shortened, so. Like I said, the shortened and much more colorful thanks to Eric. But not the Eric we're going to be talking about the rest of the time here. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, before getting back to that, Eric, uh, there, there's a few other things, as usual, that we want to discuss. And one of them is there's been a lot of debate online about a number of topics from this episode. One of them we'll get to now. One's going to have to wait till Appendix A again. And what's interesting is the way I see, just in general, uh, people who are watching sometimes jumping in with immediate judgments without considering how much we don't see. And you know, Christian from last season said it well on Twitter this week when he was discussing how Kelly and Lauren didn't play their idols. He said, Probably the most interesting post-survivor observation to make about the show is inferring the conversations that must have happened that weren't shown. Both Kelly and Lauren were confident enough to not play their idol. Convincing assurances were made. And yeah, that's just one 
of the many things that you can tell watching the show. We didn't get to see. Mm-hmm. You know, we see a conversation with them and they're saying, okay, we're both going to play their idols. And then neither of them plays their idol. And so it's all part of that blindsiding the viewer mentality that Survivor seems to have lately. Yes. And, but yeah, it's not like Kelly and Lauren just decided, well, we're not going to play it. Yeah. No, there were obviously conversations. And, you know, we have to do that sometimes when the evidence is not laid out for us. And again, we'll get to more of that in Appendix A in terms of some of the things we didn't see on the show, but maybe found out about after the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do think that this is a good example as well as to the person who was voted out, whose name was never mentioned in any part of right. the episode. You know, I mean, that's so it just goes to show that, yes, they they keep you guessing. They don't they don't put it all out there for you to figure out. Sometimes I don't know if they can avoid it, but I think in this particular week, they were able to throw so many things out there and throw everybody off that then when Eric ended up being the name that was the person voted out, all of us as viewers were like, wait, what What happened? <laughs> like, we didn't see that conversation, but clearly they were all on the same page because there were so many Eric votes. Right. Right. So again, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that more later. One item we can discuss now, uh, though, is is whether or not Aurora did anything wrong by trying to get Victoria to give her the immunity challenge after Lauren passed out. Mm. Now, personally, I didn't see a problem with it. I, I understand people were concerned, but the challenge was still going on. So Aurora had to try to save herself. As Shannon Gates said on Twitter, I can't believe the discussion around whether Aurora should have been able to negotiate after Lauren fainted is even a debate. The challenge continued and negotiating is part of the challenge. Don't see how this could be a question. And when someone replied that Julie and the others were were concerned and it seemed like Aurora wasn't, Shannon replied to note that Julie and the commas even said to Victoria, she's okay, keep going. And that was before Aurora said anything. Mm. So it, it does seem a little hypocritical for them to tell Victoria to keep going, but get upset that Aurora wanted to talk about things. And you know, I, I do think they were legitimately upset and worried about Lauren, but I also think they were already against Aurora. And if the roles had been reversed, I don't think they would have been telling Victoria to be quiet the way they were telling Aurora. Yes, I agree. And I do think that when you're in a situation like that, sometimes your game mode is so high and so kicked in that you are kind of unaware of other things that are necessarily happening in, in the real world. Like if someone had fainted and passed out and fallen over next to you, you would probably stop what you were doing and make sure that that person was okay. But this is survivor. It's a much different world and we can't fault Aurora for continuing to play the game and for continuing with the challenge because Jeff even said this challenge is still going and left it to Dr. Mike to say whether or not they needed to stop the challenge. So everyone knew that the challenge was moving forward. And again, this is Survivor. And the whole point of the challenge is to win. So I don't fault her for doing it. Did it seem a little uncomfortable? Sure, because that's our normal selves just going, oh, but someone's lying on the floor, like passed out right now and doesn't look like she's even breathing. And Aurora's like, hey, let's talk about what's going on over here. You know, But but again, that's that's our normal selves kicking in. That's not Survivor kicking in. And when you're out there, you're playing Survivor. And so we can't fault her for doing that. Yeah. Speaking of Lauren, by the way, I did love her. You know, she's lying there and she she comes, you know, comes to 
And she's like, what happened? And Dr. Joe says, you passed out. She's like, damn it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> even, even for her, like, I don't think she would have had any, uh, like, she wouldn't have been upset if she knew Aurora was still, like, negotiating as the challenges are moving forward. Because I feel like Lauren would respect that because she's yeah. obviously someone who's going to play hard and fight hard. Yeah. You know, so, uh, yeah. So, all right. So that was the other one thing. And then the one more topic I wanted to discuss, which was not on TV was all on Twitter. And as regular listeners know, Ron has been great for dropping little tidbits on Twitter. And, you know, you've heard them. Mm -hmm. Everyone has heard them in, in the podcast here. This week after the show, he was a little salty. And I still haven't figured out if he was kidding around or not. Uh, he went back and forth with Julia a bit about her decision here. Uh, and, you know, basically telling her it was a, a dumb decision. And he also tweeted back at me uh, when I had said the look on Rick's face is hysterical, but not as funny as the one on Ron's face. Mm -hmm. He replied, Eric's my dude. I was devastated. You find that funny? And I said, well, I, I wouldn't have found it funny if I were in your shoes. But let's face it. We all watch in part see blindside face. And yes. uh, so, so, you know, I hope he was kidding around. Uh, but some of the tweets he was putting out there had a bit of an edge to them. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Either. Was, I, I think he was maybe just upset because you and I had predicted he'd go this week. <laughs> maybe that's it. Who knows? Yeah, no. yeah, he's definitely I think for the whole season has been a little bit more aggressive in certain parts, including the game and also Twitter and just. But I don't know if that's part of just his shtick where it's it's fun because then he can cause some banter and make people wonder. I mean, clearly he and Julia know ultimately what ends up happening with all of right. this. So they're going back and forth. And obviously it's very intriguing to us because we're trying to read into it. And is there more there and are they going to give us anything? But I also feel like there's been more of a, I don't know, like CBS is letting them kind of run a little bit wild on Twitter. I feel like, <laughs> like I feel like there's been a lot of, a lot of comments that are a little more, Information like they're providing more information than I think CBS right. would normally let survivors but, provide. I mean, I like the background information. You know, Julia was doing that. Uh, well, pretty much. Well, she continued it this week. We'll we'll hear about that later. But I, I don't mind the behind the scenes stuff, and I don't view anything as spoilery that I have right. seen because who knows? I mean, it was funny because War Dog does this a lot, and he put out a tweet. Uh, I don't know a couple days ago. Say, I think it was to Aubrey saying, "Wait, Aubrey." Uh, remind me, are we supposed to be pretending to hate each other or pretending to love each other on Twitter now? Right. You know, and so he has been very playful, I would say, in terms of Twitter. And a lot of people are taking him very seriously when it's clear he's kidding around. At least it's clear to me. Yes. Uh, but these from Ron, I don't know. Now, he favorited a couple of my other uh, tweets afterwards. Uh, so I don't know. It just... It, I was like, whoa, did I really just, uh, did I really just annoy him? I uh, had no idea. You might have struck a little nerve. Maybe, maybe. But you know what? They were still great blindside faces. So they I really were. They really were great blindside faces. <laughs> and it's great so. when you're not the one who's making the face, when you're the one causing <laughs> the face. And unfortunately, he was not causing the face. He was no. on the receiving end. So different, different reaction to it, of course. Yes, yes. Now, one thing Ron tweeted where I figured he was joking was when he said, Island Fever got them all crazy. They have lost their minds. 
And, you know, I, I suppose that could be a reason for Eric getting voted out. But I, I don't think we can blame Island Fever here. So I think we'll we'll do our usual analysis and uh, we can get into it and figure out why Eric lost. Fabulous. So we'll uh, we'll go back to starting with the first rule. Last week, of course, we started with the six, but we'll go back to the first, which is to scheme and plot. And after speaking of last week, after last week's podcast, Jordan Kalish suggested that maybe Joe misunderstood and he thought he was supposed to scheme and paint. Mm. Uh, but, uh, you know, here the problem with that is that Joe didn't scheme either. So I, I don't know. Drawn paint. You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, but but anyway, uh, Eric knew better and he had come into the game saying he was going to be working all the angles. Indeed, from episode one, he talked about planning to keep Joe around for the tribal challenges and then get rid of him, which, of course, he did. And then in episode three, he was already talking about looking ahead and knowing that it's about bringing people with you that you can trust and you can beat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so he had formed what appeared to be a solid alliance within the comma six and then a sub alliance with at least Ron. And based on the results, probably Julie as well. That's what it seemed. Plus, he and Ron also seemed to be angling towards something with David and Rick, as we saw. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he had a, a web confessional from this episode in which he said he thought he was in a good position and believed he was ahead of the people around him in planning. Uh, well, turns out not so much on that. Yeah, I, I'm actually really impressed with the way that he was playing the game, because when when I initially heard him talk about his ideas for the game, when he was sitting down with Wiggler for his initial interviews, I was I was concerned because he seemed kind of laid back, even though he had ideas and and had a structure that he kind of wanted to follow. He also seemed very. I don't like I don't really know the best phrase for it, but. He didn't even like, for example, he didn't do anything to prepare to go out to for Survivor. He watched a right. YouTube video on how to make fire. And that was his preparation. So well, and watching seasons, obviously. He, and, right. Watching seasons. But he, so he just kind of seemed to have this more laid back idea and vibe about the game and how he was going to approach it. And now watching him play, I, I've seen a much different Eric where he still had that laid back vibe about him and this likable aspect to him. So he didn't really appear to be someone who was playing really hard, but he was playing really hard, but he was doing <laughs> it really well. So I was really like pleasantly surprised seeing him work the different angles and the different relationships with the people that he had formed. And he was involved in basically everything from the first episode. I mean, the first episode he was talking to Gavin and really kind of setting things in motion right away, but he just had a really great way about doing it, which I really, yeah. I, I thought was great. Very impressive. Yeah. He, I mean, he definitely had the right thought process. He, he said that when you're one step ahead, that means your ideas often get picked up and are run with and your ideas, your seeds grow in the minds of others. Mm -hmm. And one of those seeds seems to have been the idea of using the loved one's visit as a lure slash threat to keep people in line. He said that most people play the game by large landmarks. So his strategy was to remind them that the loved ones were right around the corner if they would just go along with the easy votes. Yeah. And, you know, so he thought it was a good distraction to make them feel cozy, take their heads out of the game, 
so they didn't build contingency plans. And he figured if he could keep them focused on that loved one's visit, nobody would focus on him, which, you know, that last part didn't work out for him. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. Because and I do think that part of the reason why it didn't work out for him was because of that likable aspect of him, you know, where he was so likable. So I, I think that we saw people being mindful of that. There was one person in there in a web confessional that talked about him being don't, don't jump oh, ahead. Yet. Don't jump ahead. I don't hate jump this. Ahead. You know, I got to follow your rules all the time. <laughs> so difficult. I knew where you were going. <laughs> all right. I'll stop. I'll stop. Uh, there should be rules for me how to do the podcast with David. That'll be the next list that you can create. That'll be the next poster. Yes. The next poster. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, Eric did use that loved one's visit as a tool, but you mentioned that he was not only scheming and plotting, but he was pushing hard. So I think we should move into the second rule, which tells players not to do too much of that. And, you know, it it seemed or it might have seemed like a good idea. I think it was starting to wear on some nerves after Eric and Ron, from what we saw, kept pounding that idea home of the loved ones. Yeah. Jeff Probst was asked about it in his Entertainment Weekly interview and said Eric didn't see how he was coming across with all the loved ones stuff. And several other players also talked about how that wasn't really coming across well, both on TV and in web confessionals. Eric and Ron thought that they were keeping everyone under control. But it seems like it had the opposite effect of drawing attention to themselves. Yes, I completely agree with that. I mean, the thing with the loved ones visit when you're out there, it's kind of this. It's like the shining light that you can see in the distance (laughs) and you and that's where you want to get to. And everyone has that same mindset. You want to be able to have the loved ones visit. You want that moment. It's just one of the many moments that people want. But it's almost one, one of those moments that you don't really want to talk about it a whole lot. And the reason why you don't want to talk about it a whole lot is because it has a different effect on people because you're not talking about the game necessarily. At that point, you're talking about a loved one and everybody knows with the loved ones visit, which what usually happens is if someone wins, that person then gets to pick other people to bring along with them for the reward, thus bringing along their loved ones. So there's this idea in everyone's head, who's going to get shafted, you know, like who's going to win. And then who's not going to get to see their loved one. So it's you're kind of setting people up for that. The more you talk about it and the more significant you make it appear is that it becomes more of a strategy as opposed to just a moment that everyone's kind of hoping to have. And instead, it's it's this idea that, well, if if it's so important to Eric and Ron that we make this loved ones visit, well, then what are they going to do with it when we get there? And what if Eric or Ron wins? Are they going to take me? Are they going to leave my loved one behind? And it just, I think, kind of spirals out of control because it becomes about so much more than just a reward because now you're talking about your loved one. And it's just something that using it in that fashion out there can really come back to bite you. And I think it did here. I think it, it absolutely did. And when Julia went to... Eric to talk about the David Devins thing. And and he gave this kind of weird response. I think in the back of her mind, it it kind of got went back to the loved ones thing. We're like, Oh, so I'm not even probably going to get chosen if he wins or if Ron wins. I mean, so I I think that that came into play more than we actually even saw it. 
Yeah. And it is an interesting point you bring up because I mean, obviously in Eric's case, he was he's gone long before the loved ones visit, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, at some point, if it did happen and Eric or Ron won, like you were saying, and they, well, obviously Eric's going to pick Ron, Ron's going to pick Eric, mm-hmm. but they pick one or two other people. Let's say they pick Julie and everybody else is left out. They're all sitting there going, wait a minute. You've been telling us, oh, let's stick together. Let's yep. all get to the loved ones visit. And then you screwed me out of the loved one visit. Exactly. Visit. Yes. And that's why it doesn't work to your benefit to make it such a big momentous thing to focus on. Everyone knows that it's coming and people talk about it and you and you kind of try to figure out when it's going to be. But it, I think you can you have nothing to do but think when you're out there. And when you start <laughs> thinking about how people are going to utilize things like the loved ones visit. It's going to have a very big impact for whoever you leave behind. It really will. And I think that that's ultimately what ended up happening here was there was such a focus on it that everybody started focusing on it for a different reason, as opposed to just it's the loved one's visit. Hopefully we get to see our loved one. That would be great. Now it's turned into it's a game strategy. And it and I just think it changed the vibe for everybody that was hearing it. Yeah, I agree. Now, there was one other thing. It also came into play that didn't actually make the show. And this is, you know, where when we say we take in all the information, this is one of these definite cases, because this was a tweet from Victoria who talked about how, yeah, on the show, she was pushing for Kelly or Lauren at the time. But also Eric promised her a final three. But he also promised four different groups of people the final three. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he knew or she knew. That he wasn't with her. And, you know, so this is definitely another case of scheming and plotting too much because it's good to have multiple options, but not so good when you overpromise like that and people compare notes. Yes, the comparing the notes. And that's the problem, again, you run into when you have such a strong, like solid six. Everyone's talking about this comma six. Those people are probably going to be comparing notes more than groups that you're kind of weaving in and out of and you're working right. with this person or working with that person, but you're talking about the six people that you're actually working with and have an alliance with, they are definitely going to compare notes. And so if you've told one part of that group something and then told another part the same thing, it's going to come back and people are definitely going to talk about it and start realizing, yeah, no, we're all getting played. <laughs> you know, this yeah. little group of six is not the six that we thought it was. Yeah. So I, I think that's a, a good place to move into the uh, third rule because, yeah, Eric had apparently given himself several options, but, uh, well, does that mean he was being flexible uh, per this rule? I, it's interesting, but one, like we just talked about, they don't work if people don't believe you, and Victoria clearly did not. But uh, other than that, how do you think he did in terms of flexibility? Well, I think that he was, like we said, keeping his options open. Yes, he definitely was. But he was really locked into Ron. And that was very visible. People saw that. I thought he was going to have a closer relationship with Gavin just with the way that the game started. But I also think that, you know, once the, you know there was a swap and, and various relationships are formed and then you come back in the merge and things are a little bit different. But the relationship that he had with Ron was one that started to become a little more noticeable, a little more powerful, and it's a twosome. And then once you have the twosome, that's what people start focusing on. And we've talked about this before, that when you have a twosome, 
who do you end up getting rid of? Do you get rid of the one who's running it or do you get the one who's like following along? And I think that's what we, not that he was following Ron, but Ron was clearly the more vocal of the two. So this is something that we've actually talked about before. When you have a strong twosome, who do you end up cutting off from that strong twosome? You cut off the right hand of the person who's in control. And it seemed like Ron was the one that was more in control of the twosome. And so I think that, yes, was he was he flexible? Sure, because he was trying to work with everybody, but he had also locked himself in with Ron and he put himself into that second person position where he's the one that's going to get cut because you take the person who's not necessarily making the decisions. You take the person who's his right hand man, which I think is ultimately what might have happened here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's something really that uh, probably should have uh, deserved mention in the second rule of the duo, the strong duo part, because, yes, if you are in a tight duo, that becomes threatening and uh, people will target you. It, it is part of scheming and plotting too, obviously. And in this case, you're right. He was flexible in some ways, but inflexible in others. I, I do want to give him a little credit for being flexible and bringing in David and Rick to the group. Mm -hmm. But again, much like Eric and Ron together, they needed to be less obvious about it because as soon as War Dog brought it up to Gavin and Julia, both of them realized he was telling the truth. And now it's possible. A, a lot of people were like, uh, wow, that was a great read by War Dog to know that. And maybe it was. I, I don't know. But the other possibility is since David was now working with War Dog at this point, he could have told him. Yeah. He could have said, by the way, this is what Ron and Eric said. And then War Dog took that information. Uh, back to them. So, and so certainly I'm not trying to take anything away from War Dog if he really did just intuit the situation, but it is a possibility that, well, David told him. Yes. No, and that's true too. No, definitely so, true. Now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back. So let's get back to the show. We can move on to the fourth rule, which tells players not to let their emotions control them. And while there were certainly some emotions flying around in this episode, I don't think any of them were related to Eric getting voted out. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think so either. I'm telling you, the guy was so laid back and just such kind of a pleasure to watch on it on the TV. I mean, he was just so likable and and really just kind of down to earth and came across as somewhat humble. So I really I thought he did a great job keeping everything in check, playing the game, but in a very kind of even keel manner. OK, all right. Then we can move on to the fifth rule, which discusses how players have to pretend to be nice and play the social game coming into the game. Eric 
said he thought his job as a firefighter would help him relate to people quickly and get people to trust him. And I do think that happened at least somewhat. He was tight with Gavin and Ron and seemingly others as well. And you mentioned his relationship with Gavin. And he did have a good, friendly, very friendly social relationship. Mm -hmm. And in fact, Eric tweeted afterwards, a lot of people are asking me, I thought you and Gavin were close. What happened? Answer, so did I. (laughs) (laughs) And he added that, you know, after there was some back and forth, he, he added that all he was saying was that he really trusted Gavin out there and he didn't see that coming. And Gavin replied, got nothing but love for you, Eric. And then later tweeted to someone else, Eric is a great man in general, and that's all I have to say. So, yeah, it, it was just, it was a game move. Yeah. They did have a good relationship on a social uh, situation, but this was a game move, which uh, we will talk about very shortly. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it, because I don't think it had anything to do with him not being a likable person. Like I said before, I think it was partly because he was too likable. So, yeah, yeah, he definitely was playing the social game very well, forming relationships with people he needed to form relationships with, having conversations, giving himself multiple avenues and options. But again, as we've already talked, kind of locked himself into particular ones. But I do agree that was that was a game move. I don't think it had anything to do with being other than just that. There was no personal issues here. That was a game move. Yeah. So we can move on to the sixth rule, which you've been itching to get to I since, have uh, been. since the first rule, <laughs> because this one warns against being too much of a threat. And we have, you know, more to discuss here than we, we did in the previous uh, couple of rules, because, well, remember last week how I mentioned Julia said in the web confessional that with Extinction Island in play, she wanted to vote out Joe the threat and then vote out more threats so only one can come back. Mm-hmm. Well, This week, she said on Twitter that Eric was a bigger threat to win individual immunities, also making him a bigger person to combat Joe and Chris on Extinction Island. And it's funny because I thought of that prior web confessional Wednesday night, and I I already wrote in my podcast notes, link back Julia's web confessional about wanting to vote out strong players to compete with Joe. But then she went and told everybody on Twitter. She did. She blew it for you. Yeah. Well, but that is such an interesting dynamic to this particular season is that Extinction Island becomes part of your decisions, part of the things that you want to think about and why you're going to vote out certain people. Yeah, it is interesting the way that has come into play. And, you know, the thing is, Julia wasn't the only one who felt that Eric was good in challenges because War Dog said in the web confessional this week, that Eric is an excellent swimmer. And in this case, he was happy to see him on his reward challenge team. Mm -hmm. And then Ron mentioned last week in tweeting about the camp, uh, he he called Eric a superhuman. So, you know, but it wasn't just challenges that made him a threat. Uh, Eric himself said in the web confessional this week that he knew things would get squirrely as time went on because he would be a hard person to sit next to at the end. Mm -hmm. And I I think uh, you may have something to say. I'm going to guess about a, uh, uh, some other things that people said in web confessionals about him. Well, I do think that that was, that was something that people were very concerned about is just that he was a guy that really, I think would have been very difficult 
to sit next to. I mean, Gavin talked about blindsiding Eric, even though he's been one of his closest allies since the beginning, but he's going to win this game if he is sitting at the end. And that's a very strong statement for someone to make. And the fact that Gavin recognized that and said, you know what, I have to set my personal feelings aside as far as the fact that I like Eric. But he even said that, you know, he didn't want to sit next to him because, yeah, Eric is going to win. And I think that that is one of the biggest reasons why Eric ended up being the person that they chose to vote out because he is so freaking likable. I mean, and the guy comes with such a great backstory, too. I mean, he's a firefighter. He's a great dad. He's very proud of the fact that he's a good father. He's got two young kids. All of these things about him scream great survivor winner. You know, he's someone that people can really get behind and kind of root for. And he hasn't done anything to really offend anyone, ruffle anyone's feathers, hasn't been mean to anyone out on the island, has formed relationships with basically everybody who he's had an opportunity to do so. And I think that when you start putting all of those pieces together, and also, apparently he's really good at making fire, according to, I think he said it in one of his web confessionals, he's like, nobody's beating me in making fire. So that's something else that I think people are probably mindful of, too. If he's got all of these likable qualities, he's really good in challenges, he's got this great story, no one's going to want to sit next to him at the end, and if he makes it to Final Four and he's the best one at fire, well, then... He's in the final three. So all of those things, I think people recognize. And Gavin clearly is a gamer and he's he's very aware of what's happening. And I think he and Julia probably went, do you want to sit next to him in the end? No. Nope. Do you? No. Nope. OK, let's do Eric then. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, or earlier you chided him about just watching part of one video on how to make fire. But apparently that worked. Apparently know, it did, eyes. because he's he said nobody can beat him in making fire. That was well, what I mean. I, I could understand him putting out fire because he is a firefighter. But, <laughs> you know, I, good point. Who knew that he was also, uh, you know, a fire bug. Yeah, no, I, I so. do think that I do think that he would have been. But then here's the other part of it, too. Extinction Island. If mm-hmm. Julia's idea that we're going to stack the deck against getting Joe back in the game or Chris back in the game and Eric is potentially someone who could beat them in the challenges, well, guess who might come back and have a wonderful hero moment? <laughs> this <laughs> well, guy. any of them. Yeah. Well, any, any of, of them. them but you know what I mean? So it, it is one of those very strange situations. And, you know, Joe actually talked about it in a web confessional, too, that that how putting him on Extinction Island wasn't necessarily a great decision for them, because if he makes it back into the game, he's ultimately sitting on Extinction Island. He makes it past how many more votes because he's not actually getting voted out. He's been voted out and could come back into the game, we think, because that's what Jeff has basically said. So so there is this very weird element to it that anyone who is on Extinction Island could have that moment where they they get to be the hero and they get to come back in. And potentially prove their worth in the game. It's all very strange to see how it's going to play out. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I love it or if I. I'm not sure yet, but I'm. I'm intrigued for sure. I'm absolutely intrigued. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure of how I feel about it, and I've already made that pretty clear. Big thumbs down. I but, know. Uh, but anyway, uh, especially when you have them like sending things into the game. Like, I mean, I love Aubrey. I love Aurora. I don't love that Aubrey was allowed to send Aurora an extra vote. Yeah. You know, uh, they're out of the game. Yeah. 
And so, but they're not. That's I mean that jo- I know. And that's Joe, the problem. Joe is talking about how he's going to be working over the jurors when he's on Extinction uh, Island. Uh, exactly. I mean, that's how would you like it if you were prosecuting a case and uh, the person that uh, you were prosecuting got to go hang out with the jurors and have drinks in the bar? No, you know, each night? thank you. <laughs> no, yeah, no, well, no. That's like the that. situation. That's the situation we have here. I know. It's so weird. So uh, let's hope whoever comes back in, yeah, unless it's someone I really like, uh, it gets immediately voted back out. <laughs> no. Yes, that is absolutely a hypocritical statement. I know that. It is. So, so. far, I'm loving it because my guy came back in. Devin's well, yeah. made it. <laughs> He's yeah. back. So. All right. Well. Uh, with that, uh, that, that uh, tangent over, we can uh, come back and uh, talk about the seventh rule, which discusses idols and advantages. And while Eric didn't get any of either, nor did he have any gifted to him, uh, he knew that it was important. And he had at least two web confessionals dealing with the topic. Back in episode two, uh, his web clip talked about the importance of an idol and how he tried to find it, but also tried to be wise about searching for it, uh, both of which are obviously good things. And then at the merge feast, he was looking everywhere for clues and advantages. And just as importantly, he was watching the others to see who else was looking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I thought that that showed good game intelligence on his part, even though he didn't end up with anything. Yeah, no, I think that he was he was clearly very aware. I think it's strange that we haven't heard more discussions about who potentially has an idol when they're trying to think about who to write down. I and mean, we have, we've heard it a little bit with splitting the votes. I they think Kelly might have one, but it, no one's like panicking about it, which I find very interesting that no one is really truly concerned. And I think we talked about this last week that if nobody in your core six has an idol, at least that's what everyone seems to I right. think believe, then where are the idols? Well, they're then over here with the people that you're trying to vote out, but, the, but we're not getting like a panicked, thought process and in relationship to who could it be and and how should we deal with that usually you try at least what we've seen in years past is to pick the person that doesn't have it to be the person that you're voting out but they've been gunning for kelly and lauren and maybe they're hoping that they play it i don't know and that's but i don't think they're really kind of thinking all the way through that that they could both possibly have one well, right. I, I do think that there's probably been discussions about it, but since not, you know, nothing's come of it yet, I, I don't think that, uh, I just don't think they bothered to show it. I suspect we'll see more of that next week. Yes. We'll get to that in the predictions. Mm-hmm. But... I agree. All right. So now we can move on to Appendix A, which, uh, again, I know uh, you've been itching to get to. And uh, it is about the rest of the tribe keeping their end goals in mind when voting and a big part of the rule is that they should, whenever possible, vote out the weak, then the strong, then the weak, then the strong. And we're still in the part of the game when players should be voting out strong threats. And we already discussed how Eric fell into that category. But there are plenty of other people who could be similarly classified, including at least a few who aren't in the Kama Alliance. Uh, You were just mentioning Kelly and Lauren as good examples. Mm -hmm. That brings us to the big question that's been debated ever since this episode aired. Should the comma group have turned in on itself this early when there were still five lessus that they could have focused on instead? And, you know, there are other associated questions that we'll also get to, such as whether Rick should have jumped to the commas the way he did. But let's start with the comma question first. 
Okay, so Stephen said on Know-It-Alls and his blog that it was a terrible decision for Comet to turn on themselves at this point. He doesn't like majorities tearing themselves apart too soon, and we've seen it happen time and time again. He was he was upset about this. Mm-hmm. Rob, on the other hand, said the split was coming in a seemingly an old versus young grouping. So the younger group had to move first. And when they moved, they were able to pull Aurora back. So where do you stand on this debate that has been tearing through survival social media, tearing families apart, (laughs) ripping apart brothers? Yeah. Where do you stand? I'm going to go back to what we talked about in regarding in regards to Joe. That they jumped the shark with Joe. I think they jumped the shark with Eric, too. I do think that this was too soon and it wasn't necessary. I realized they got Aurora back, which is fantastic because I was surprised they were able to do so just considering. But I I don't think that this was necessary just yet. They have enough. They have other options. There's plenty of other people that they could vote out that are large threats that are potential you know, targets that are really good in challenges, people that have a great story. I mean, you've got David, Kelly, Lauren, all in that group over there. I mean, even War Dog, you have all of these people that are clearly playing a good game. They're playing a game hard and they're not going to be the focus. All you're doing is giving that other group more power and more abilities to work things out and put things together. And again, we just talked about where are all of the idols? Well, all of the idols are not with the six comma strong over here. They're clearly with other people. So you're playing with this. You're you're giving so much more power to this group that already potentially has power. They might have idols. Now we're going to potentially give them numbers. And we've just upset Julie, who is not involved in our this scheme here. So now we've kind of push Julie aside, just like we did with Aurora in the last vote. So you're alienating yourself with people who were in your group, people who were working with you and going to vote with you. And instead, now you're kind of splintering that. I realize they got rid of Eric. And yes, we just said Eric is not someone you want to sit near at the end, but there's still a chance Eric could come back into the game. So it's not like he's completely gone because of Extinction Island. So it's just too soon. I think it's unnecessary at this point to splinter the way that they did. All right. Yeah. I mean, so we got to hear from a few of the players outside of the show itself, which is good because we certainly didn't see enough conversations to fully explain it on the show. Mm -hmm. So Gavin said in the web confessional that he was trying to think two steps ahead. And so I I guess this explains why he got Eric, because Eric said he was thinking one step ahead. So Mm, There you go. Yeah. Uh, Gavin said he's playing for himself and he has to make moves to win the game. And it's hard to go against a safe group, but you have to make moves like this because big groups don't last. And it's all about who makes the first move. That was his thought process. Mm -hmm. Julia said on Twitter that she plays for the win, not for the loved ones visit. She added that there are conversations and relationships that you simply don't get to see in 42 minutes. And there was plenty of time out there to think through the numbers. I I think that last part may have been her firing back at people who suggested on Twitter that they didn't really think it through. Mm. And, you know, people who, like I said earlier, people who watch and just jump into it. And it's like, no, they they did think about it more, you know, for more than the 30 seconds that you saw on TV. Right. Um, But she added that waiting a vote was a dead end. And I, the problem is there's really no further explanation as to why, but in her mind, at least, and apparently in Gavin's, this was the time 
And I think part of the problem might have been that we heard uh, from her that Ron was pushing so hard to get Joe out last week that I think some people felt basically unheard, like they were just being pushed along and they weren't willing to listen to him direct them again. But even this time, not everybody was on the same page because we saw that Victoria was not thrilled about it. And I mentioned that, uh, you know, a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she said also on Twitter, if they voted out Kelly or Lauren, they could have broken up a tight trio and picked up the pieces like they did with Aurora. But at a certain point, you can't go against the group and alienate yourself. It's not worth it, even if you don't agree on the timing. So you've got Gavin, you've got Julia pushing to do it now. Victoria agrees with the concept, but says it's too soon. But, you know, she she clearly jumped in and and went along with it. And, um, you know, but here's the thing. Like you said, it's early. If -hmm. you look at the vote count, it did not seem like they needed to make this move now that they could have waited to get rid of a Kelly or a Lauren or someone first and make the move after they'd whittled down the lessus a bit. Yes. And I, I just don't know why they didn't. They clearly have reasons. I'm not going to be presumptuous and say, oh, they just did it because, you know, they have big move itis. No, they clearly had reasons. They right. clearly thought this through. I don't know what those reasons are. Yeah. No, it's a really hard thing to process when you are out there and you're looking at the numbers and you're you're playing a guessing game because you're trying to figure out what's going to happen down the road. And when you start to learn information about particular people that you know that that's a strong trio or that's a strong duo, how is that going to affect my game moving forward? And who are they going to pull in and vote with or against? And where do I fall in this group of six? That is probably one of the biggest I want to say something inappropriate, but I won't. But like mind squirrely things that will happen to you when you're out there is where do you fall in that group of six? That becomes all consuming because a group of six is a large group and every relationship within that group of six becomes something you evaluate nonstop and you pay attention to where those people are and the conversations they're having. And am I involved in these conversations? So not only are you concerned with everybody that's around you, who's not in that group of six, you become very concerned with that group of six, because these are the people that you're relying on getting through this game with. And if you are number six in a group of six, well, guess what? You're not winning the game. Mm -hmm. So I totally understand this idea of we need to make a move before somebody else does. But there's still a lot of people left in the game and there's a lot of people who are not in your corner, not in your side. You have you like Kelly is someone who plays the game very well, but she's not someone that you can necessarily rely upon to work with you down the road because she's been on the outs and she's going to do what she needs to do to get further in the game. So you'd be better off working with that group of six, even though you might have questions about it. Do that now. Go another vote. Get rid of someone who is a question mark, if you will, down the down the road. So you've still got strength in numbers if you need it, but you still have options because you haven't alienated yourself from people who are contained within that comma group, the larger group, not just the group of six. Right. And but you you mentioned alienating people. And I wonder if if that was part of the problem, if they were worried that the lessus wouldn't trust them if they knocked out a few of their people. So let's say that uh, they took out, they took out Kelly 
is Lauren, is David, is Wardog going to trust them at that point? Or are they going to say, well, the heck with you? But to me, I, I, I don't know that they'd have had much choice, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I do know, though, one thing that we have talked about, uh, which is, like you said, if you're on the bottom, if you're not part of that core group, then you know something's going on. Because one thing that both Rob and Steven agreed on, uh, on know-it-alls, was that if Ron and Eric were just saying that they should stay together until the family visit, and you didn't know what the plan was after the family visit, that means those plans didn't include you. Exactly, yes. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, they were looking at it from that standpoint of when can we make that move. Right. So it it certainly seems like it was done too soon, but... I come to it with the presumption in most cases, unless people have given me another, you know, reason to, uh, to not presume it, <clears throat> Wendy, um, but, um, <laughs> that people have plans, you know, for themselves and that they are thinking things through. So we will have to see. Hopefully we will see, but I- I'm not going to really jump on board either side. I'm, I'm going to be as, uh, Brent Walgamot would call me a fancy fencerton. Uh, and, and that's because I don't know what they're thinking. We just haven't seen enough of it. Yeah. And that's the, that's the unfortunate part of not having exit press because of the extinction island component. We really don't get more of what's truly happening. And unfortunately we are left to guess. And yeah, we don't know what the conversations were, how things ended up really coming together. Was there was there a plan that Eric and Ron had in place that caused Gavin and Julia to feel like they were on the outs? We don't know, but we will eventually find out and see if if it was too soon. And I think maybe, I don't know, this Wednesday we might find out ah, <laughs> if it yeah. was too soon or not. I mean, we know that they did have a plan. It was the David and Rick plan. Yes. It's just it, it's just that doesn't mean that they had to move right now. Yeah. They still could have waited. But um, but speaking of waiting or which, you know, debating, I guess. Well, the other big debate is whether Rick should have jumped to the commas and basically told Wardog to go to hell. Uh, I know, yeah. Rick. Again, yeah, we're, we're sitting here without much information from the show itself because what we saw looked like it was based purely on an emotional reaction. But as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I suspected there was more to it than that. And we found some of it in a web confessional from Rick. You know, he said he knew the loved one's visit was a stupid ploy and he is not okay just getting there and then getting voted out. He said that he saw a path to number one and he thinks Wardog and David were confused and they're just thinking that he was just trying to go forward a little. And, you know, that's also what I have heard on Twitter as a criticism of him, Uh, you know, after the show, but before seeing this web confessional, oh, what's he doing? He's just going to get a couple more places. He has no chance. Mm. But but Rick continued in his web confessional that he could see himself getting through three votes and taking the game back. He thought that there would be a path to take control of the game. So, in other words, even if emotion came into play in the way he responded to War Dog, this was not just an emotional reaction. He thought it out. He decided this was his better strategy. Yeah. And he did also say in his web confessional, which I, I think is interesting to note, that he was so loyal to David before that if he had just stabbed him in the back, he could have still been in the game and not ended up on Extinction Island. And I thought that was really interesting because that 
I feel like is now the total opposite of playing with his emotions because he was playing emotionally before. You know, I, I'm so loyal to this person. I don't want to turn my back on him. And I'm and I'm going to end up getting voted out of the game because I'm not going to turn my back on David, which, you know, I did this. I, I played the loyalty thing, too. And loyalty can really I mean, obviously, I, I picked rocks because I was being loyal to my to my core group. So I see that he's completely flipped that he doesn't want to be so loyal to someone that it ends up causing his game to come to an end as opposed to I'm just going to I'm all in I'm playing and I'm going to do everything that I can for my game. And I, I feel like it's just a different focus for him. Yes, it seems a little aggressive and he probably shouldn't have, I don't think, responded so aggressively to War Dog. Let War Dog think that you're considering it instead of just basically being incredibly sarcastic and laughing at him in a, in a way. Um, so then, you know, you aren't kind of chopping off that potential by responding in that fashion. So maybe he could have reined that in a little bit and been a little more, oh yeah, sure, War Dog, we can talk about that. I'll think about it. You know, I, I, I'm a little hurt by what happened before, but that doesn't mean I'm not willing to work with you. So again, you got to say yes, as we've talked about many, many times. You say mm-hmm. yes when someone presents to you an opportunity and then think about it. He didn't do that. And I think it's because of where he's coming from. It's just a different way he's playing the game now. Yeah. Now, I do want to, you know, uh, give you some credit here. You didn't just stay blindly loyal to David and draw rocks because simply out of loyalty. Right. As I discussed on why Jessica lost at the time, you didn't have much of a choice in the matter because if you flipped, you didn't have anywhere to go. Oh, yeah. I was so dumb. Yeah. Those were the same people who were targeting you. So. Them trying to say, come over to our side, would have just been like, come over to our side so we can push you off the cliff. <laughs> right. Yes, but it is. But it, loyalty is something that becomes very significant when you're out there. And if you have people that, you know, will have your back and, and in a game of Survivor, you need to have those people that will have your back, that it can become very hard to set that aside and and turn on those people and i and i was struggling with that with david because i knew i'm like he had my back he saved me with an idol and i didn't want to end up having to vote him out but i knew i was going to have to so you struggle with that idea a lot and i think that's what he was struggling with and now he's like forget about it if i had just done that before i might not have been voted out so i do think he's kind of flipped the way that he's playing the game it's just a different it's a different version of rick yeah, I mean, even Ken realized that, uh, you know, he had to vote out David at some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, getting back to, to you know, this game, I keep t- sending you back to your game. But, <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, you know, what one thing, you know, that I mentioned is so we know that Rick has a plan, had a plan. I think it may have just gotten blown to pieces, but he had a plan when he decided to join with the commas. And we don't know exactly what the plan was. Mm-hmm. I have some educated guesses because we saw him have good interactions with Julie last week. So he he probably got assurances or promises from her. And we also, of course, saw this episode that Ron and Eric seemed to genuinely want to move forward with Rick and David. As a matter of fact, it was so genuine that it helped get Eric in trouble. But yeah, OK, some people are saying, well, Rick has only known the commas for a short time. Yeah. He did. And they saved him yes. while the people he had known for a long time were trying to get rid of him mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. You know, Julie told him there's no way in hell she would ever send him back to Extinction Island. 
Uh, she told him that uh, War Caloran were targeting him. Uh, and, and then you compare that to the Lesus, where he could go back to an alliance where he knows he is number five out of five. He's not guessing. He knows it because they'd already demonstrated. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then they tried to get him voted out again last week. They now some people have come at me and said, well, they didn't personally vote for him. No, no, they didn't write down his name, but they voted as the backup split votes. They thought comma was voting out Rick. He they were the split votes to get rid of David. They knew what was going on. And, you know, they thought that they were part of a plan to get rid of Rick. Mm -hmm. It is hard to trust after that. and. I know we always say, don't be emotional. You know, it is a rule. Strategic is the way you should be thinking. And, you know, I'm not even going to address that here for Rick because this isn't why Rick lost. It's Appendix A discussing whether the rest of the tribe made the right uh, decisions. It, when we have to discuss Rick again, one way or the other, if this decision was a contributing factor, then we will address any further role his emotions played. You discussed it a little bit, but I mean, some people want to have a really big discussion and are critical of it. I, I, we'll see when he actually loses or maybe even wins. Mm. You know, we'll, we'll determine that at the time. But for right now, I think he was thinking something along the lines of, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me. A, try to fool me a third time. Screw you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's good. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think we pretty much covered everything. You know, he had a plan. We don't know exactly what it was. We'll see if that plan can recover. I did think of you while I was watching Twitter during the episode with the amount of people that were talking about him being emotional. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Bloomberg, must, his head must be spinning right now. Yeah. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. I mean, but it is possible to have an emotional and strategic decision. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which I think that's what's so, happening. I really think that's right. what's happening. Right. All right. So with all that said <laughs> about Rick that we just talked about. I know. What, what are your final thoughts on Eric? Eric is someone who I was really intrigued with initially when we when we first learned of who he was and where he came from. And I really appreciated his ability to understand himself and how he could be perceived in this game. And I really thought that this was great. And his pet peeves, he said, I try to remember that 99.9% .9 of the time, I am not the smartest, coolest, most interesting, deserving, or, in per or important person in the room, which I thought was really great because he's, he actually is kind of that person, if you really think about it. I do think that sometimes your true self just comes through on Survivor and you can't really hide who you are. And even though he might not think that he's the smartest, coolest or most interesting or deserving, I think he was perceived that way by other people who were playing the game with him. Gavin said he's winning this game if I'm sitting next to him. And Julia probably felt the same. And I think a lot of people were looking at Eric and feeling that way. He played this game in a very even kill kind of fashion. He formed relationships with multiple people and did a good job kind of wor working his way through the game, utilizing an, an alliance to do it, but then also building side relationships. And he did say, though, in one of his web confessionals, that people on the outs are tempted to jump. And I think, unfortunately for Eric, he's part of the reason why those people jumped. 
because he made them feel like they were on the outs. Even though he was really good at making those relationships, the focus began to be on more of a Ron relationship, I think, as opposed to a group relationship. Even though he was trying to make it seem as if it was about the group, I think the group was really realizing it wasn't about the group anymore. It was about Ron and Eric. And that caused people to jump. And that's why I think Gavin and Julia came up with this idea of who they were going to focus on, someone from Kama as opposed to someone from Lesu. And unfortunately, Eric being a threat to win this game, playing the game the way that he was in such a really likable fashion, very sociable, and also being incredibly good in the challenges, as we heard multiple people say, I think he became the biggest threat. And also, as Julia said, she wanted to stack the deck and put him on Extinction Island. Maybe he can beat Joe. So I think it's just a combination of things that Eric couldn't really set aside. That's who he is. He is that person, even though he wants to feel like he's not. I was sad to see him go, but I'm intrigued to see what he's going to do on Extinction Island. All right. Uh, Eric said in a web confessional this week, getting to the end of this game isn't that hard. Getting there and being able to win is the challenge. Turns out that getting to the end is a bit harder than he thought. And uh, it, it seems to have been at least in part because he underestimated his opponents. Eric was trying to stay one step ahead of everyone by offering up the loved one's visit. But some of his erstwhile allies, like Gavin, were two steps ahead and saw through Eric's charade. Eric schemed and plotted, but he went into the realm of doing it too much. He apparently had multiple final three deals and started wearing on people's nerves with all of his loved ones preaching. On top of that, Eric had shown himself to be a potential challenge threat, which factored in two ways, like you mentioned. First, other players wanted to get him out so they had a better chance of winning challenges. Second, at least some of them wanted him out as a person who might be able to stop Joey Amazing from coming back to the game. Although, like you've mentioned, I'm not sure they want Eric coming back anymore. Mm -hmm. But more than that, Eric was seen as a threat to win the game, even with 12 players left. The others knew he had a plan that went beyond the loved one's visit, and most of them weren't in those plans. They decided to strike now rather than waiting to get Eric before Eric and his allies could get one of them. And that is why Eric lost. Well, there we are. There we are. All right. <sighs> now, before we get to the predictions, I just want to remind everyone uh, what Jessica mentioned earlier in the podcast. Uh, her birthday present to me is now available to everybody. Uh, as you can uh, get the incredible poster, Eric Reichenbach, not the Eric we just discussed, de uh, designed uh, with, with you. Uh, covering all of the rules we just discussed. So, you know, you can go to eBay via the link tinyurl.com slash David Rules Poster. And uh, we do also plan to bring some to Philadelphia. So if you're going to be there, you can avoid the shipping costs. Absolutely. And there might just be, I don't know, some survivors there. And David Bloomberg might just be there. And then right. you can get autographs. It's only $20. It's a great investment. I definitely think people should <laughs> should purchase them. But yes, we will be bringing those to Philadelphia. All right. Now we have to get, uh, you know, from your favorite part, the posters, to your least favorite part, the predictions. Uh, and uh, we got nothing here. You know, the first preview told us, well, again, nothing, except that David and Rick uh, are going to try to figure out custody of the idol, and it will be a tri crazy tribal council. The second preview told us people were lonely, and it will be a crazy tribal council. So, 
neither of these were particularly helpful, except that we know that, hey, guess what? It'll be a crazy tribal council. Um, I, I saw some people say that the person who wins immunity is spoiled in the second preview because you can see the necklace on them. But I watched it twice and didn't notice. So either I'm blind or there must have been some serious freeze framing going on. Mm. That's interesting. I didn't see that either. And I was listening very intently to everything that was being said and watching it very closely. Yeah. I don't know. So, um, you know, for the for the David and Rick situation, I've seen a lot of people joking that maybe Aurora, the divorce attorney, can mediate some settlement for them. Oh, that's a good but, idea. Yeah, but that usually probably ends up with like her getting 30 percent. So I don't know how they'd split the idol after mm, she takes her cut. That's true. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, you know. so I have a feeling that they will kiss and make up with one of them getting the whole idol. But given what Rick said in his web confessional about how he's playing for himself, and like you said, he views previously getting voted out as sacrificing himself, Mm -hmm. you know, for David, I don't think he's going to cave in. I can't imagine he will now say, uh, okay, yeah, I'll sacrifice this idol for you after I sacrificed my game for you once. So really, the only... The only two outcomes, as I see it, is they keep them split, which helps nobody. Or David finally says, okay, you're right. I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Because, I mean, it doesn't really hurt David. It gains some trust back with Rick. And it's not like, I mean, it hurts David in that he doesn't have the whole idol, but he doesn't have the whole idol now anyway. Right. And he's just creating this friction between he and Devin. So, yeah. Right. And honestly, it's Devin's. I love you, yes. David, but it is Devin's. <laughs> I realize he gave you half because that was what the rules told him he had to do. But it is Devin's. It was given to Devin's as a, hey, you got voted out. Now you get to come back in gesture from the right. survivor gods. So I feel like the right thing would be to give it back to Devin's. Yeah. I yeah. don't know if he will, so, though. Yeah. Well, my prediction is he will. We'll see. Now, after that, I have no idea. The, the only thing I can think of that would lead to tribal council being labeled as so crazy is if at least two immunity idols and the extra vote are all played in an advantage getting situation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe all three idols get played. If, in any case, if either of those happen, I would say that someone on comma will end up getting voted out. I mean, I mean, let's face it, all the all the idols are on the lesser side. So it could be that they get voted out with not many votes at all. The easy pick is Ron because he was Eric's closest ally. And, you know, as he said in the preview, he doesn't seem to have anyone left on his side. But that would violate Kubicki's law. So we should be looking at someone who wasn't even mentioned in the preview. And now I didn't go back to double check this, but I don't recall seeing Gavin. Mm. So I'm going to say he follows his friend Eric out of the game. I'm going to go with no. Wow. I didn't convince you. <laughs> you did not convince me, but that a lot of what you did say, I, I have considered. And what my crazy notes have provided for me, I did a lot of I did a lot of little circles and. Dashes and who's got idols and who doesn't and who's talking to who and in the little snippets that we did see. So here's what I see happening because we've got 11 people, right? 
And I think, I think that Aurora is going to play her extra vote and she's going to play it because they're going to try to split the votes. And if they play an, if they play an extra vote, then they're going to end up having, you know, she'll have one more vote towards whoever it is that they're splitting the votes for. And I think that they're going to try to split the votes between David and Kelly in hopes that, you know, if one of them have an idol, then, you know, they'll at least flush the idol. And when if they flush the idol and if there happens to be a tie or anything, then we're all going to vote against this person. No, but, a tie isn't on this season. Hmm? Tie isn't on this season. He had <laughs> idols on a different season. So, he, but here's my thought. This is what I think is going to happen. And there's some crazy math here, but I think we're going to end up with a three-way split. And it's going to be four, four, four. And I'm, Ooh. yes. And I'm trying to figure out, say, so if, if Kelly does, if it's Kelly and David, who's going to be the other person that they're voting for? We also didn't hear anything or see anything about Aurora. She did throw out some names. She said, let's go after David. And she was talking to Julie and Ron and Julia about voting out David. So I feel like she might be someone that, you know, David would then find out is gunning for him. And that's maybe why we're concerned about this idol, you know, the half of the half of the idol. And, and mm. that's why they're trying to debate what are they going to do with it? Because his name is being tossed around. So I'm thinking that Aurora might be the other person that ends up getting voted for. And it could end up being a four, four split because I think Aurora is going to try to be sneaky and play her extra vote thinking she's going to help things and actually really make them problematic because then it's going to be a four, four, four. And I think after all the craziness is done, I think Aurora is going to go home. Hush your mouth. I know. I know that's not what you want to hear, but I, because there was one thing, if you listen very closely to the, and I, and, and who knows if these are all from the actual tribal council, but it sounds to me when they do the, they're playing all these voices at, at one point when everything's going crazy um, in the, in one of the previews, it sounds like David is saying, who voted for you before? Or who voted for you last time or something like that? And if you go back and look, not last week's vote, but the week before, Aurora voted for Devons. And she and Joe were the only two that voted for Devons. So I feel like David is really working hard to try to make his pitch to save me because she tried to vote you out. I didn't try to vote you out kind of thing. And then you've got Julia, who I'm pretty sure her voice is, I'm ready to jump ship. So clearly there's got to be some decisions being made about a tie. And we know that Victoria doesn't want to go to rocks. It doesn't sound like Julia wants to go to rocks either. So I feel like David's going to work his magic like he does a tribal council sometimes and Aurora's going to end up going home. Oh, that's all hard to argue with. I'm not, I'm not going to switch again. But I can't do that <laughs> twice in a row, but there is very little that you said there that I can argue with. Ah, it's um, going to be crazy. I do think a three-way tie is something that would qualify as the craziest tribal council ever because yeah. that's never happened. Well, and that's what I was um, trying to think of. I'm like, what yeah. has Jeff never seen before? Right. And I, I, I do think that we often see these highs that like Aurora had immediately followed by terrible lows, like getting voted out. Mm -hmm. I, I think that we have seen the extra vote advantage be a curse. Yes. And I also think that if she is one of the people uh, who is involved in a tie, She's not really with anyone. Exactly. So yes. I think that it would be easy for all of, or at least a couple, well, 
Do they go straight to, I can't remember what the rule is now. Do they go straight to rocks if it's a three-way, t- no, if it's a tie? No, that's why they'll be the debating, because if they if they all agree. Oh, that's right. If they all agree. Yes, but they'll have they'll have a revo. And if there's still a revo and it's a tie, then they all have to agree. So they don't go straight to rocks. Okay. So okay, that's, that's why right. it'll that was be. Gone. They, yeah. they had that for a couple of years. Yeah, I should know that. They did that happen with Wendy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I can definitely see people flipping on Aurora because nobody is going to rocks. Uh, you know, as much as I like Aurora and I'm rooting for her, mm-hmm. I don't think anyone there is going to rocks for her. Yeah. I'm telling you, I was, I was listening. I'm like, mm. so this is my weird little thing that I worked out. That's my, wow. That's my, if prediction. you get this right, you will no longer be able to say you're terrible. At <laughs> I know. That's why I probably won't be right. because yeah. I'm terrible at predictions, but we'll see. Oh, that was a very detailed one. We'll see. I think if, I spent if, more if, time on that than anything else. <laughs> well, if, <laughs> like, if that prediction is not true, it was some great fan fiction. So well, that's what made it fun, you know, because you're like, ooh, what are they? But that really, yeah. I mean, what has David or not David, but I mean, what has like never happened in the Survivor well, world? Yeah, you're right. That's that is one. All right. OK. Wow. I'm, I'm stunned. Um, <gasps> I stunned you. you stunned me. Yes, I'm. I'm yeah. So look, I right. made you flip last week and I, I know and you now were you've still wrong me, and now so. I've stunned you. This is great. Yeah. All right. So uh, as we uh, wrap up and, and I go to recover, <laughs> I, uh, I want to remind people to check out the RHAP patron program by heading over to Rob has a website.com slash patron to help support all the RHAP podcasts and take a look at the various Patreon levels. Find out what kind of perks you can get, like special podcasts, videos, buffs, bells, much more. Uh, again, check out everything at robhaswebsite.com slash patron. And of course, my favorite perk is the patron Facebook groups. So once you get there, make sure to say hello to us. Yes. And you should also say hello to us on Twitter, where you can follow both myself at Jessica Lewis 89 and David at at David Bloomberg. Make sure that you follow both of us because we do banter back and forth. And it's much more fun when you can see all of the conversation that's taking place. And also we live tweet during the show and we also tend to post throughout the week about the show. So it's all good stuff to watch. And obviously we talk about what we see on Twitter as part of our why blank lost analysis. So it's also good to follow us for those reasons, too. So make sure that you do follow us both and we might even mention you. So be sure to follow us at Jessica Lewis 89 and at David Bloomberg and you will see all of our conversations throughout the week. All right. Uh, so now we need a hashtag. You have an idea. If not, I have a possibility. Hashtag stunned. Stun- no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that one's been used quite a lot. I know, but I'm just excited that I yes. did that. Yeah. Well, what's your um, what's your idea? My, mine uh, relates back to, uh, you know, uh, in, in a way why Eric lost. And that would be hashtag two steps ahead. Ah, yes, that would be that would be good. I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's uh, spelled out because I'm not sure how numbers work when it comes to hashtags. So hashtag uh, TWO steps ahead. Nice. And of course, there's the hashtag for this podcast overall. YX lost. Uh, Make sure you're getting all the survivor commentary you can handle by subscribing to all of the RHAP survivor podcasts at Rob has a podcast dot com slash survivor. Or I think it's usually easier on your actual podcatcher, whether it's iTunes or downcast or overcast or anything with the word cast in it. Uh, we are also on the reality TV wrap ups feed and you can subscribe to that as well. In both places, you will find the great RHAP content like the know-it-alls, uh, the wiggle room, uh, this week in survivor, the B and B and much more. 
Uh, with that, thanks to Scott St. Pierre, who does all the editing on Why Blank Lost Podcasts. Thanks to Will from America for the theme song. And thanks to you, Jessica, for a stunning episode. Ooh. <laughs> well, thank you, David Bloomberg, for being stunned. Yeah. That does make my day a little bit brighter. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Really appreciate it. And go order a poster before they're all gone. <laughs> all right. We'll see everyone next week. Bye. Bye. Jessica will turn it around They'll break down the rules And they'll show you how You played yourself and got voted out This is why Blank lost And this is why Blank lost Oh baby, this is why Blank lost Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.